0: Moncrief on News Talk. Now, many people struggle with looking at their phone too much, and to help with reducing your screen time, can, uh, or aids with reducing your screen time, can be found on the phone itself. Just get rid of the colour, apparently. Elaine Burke from the For Tech's Sake podcast is here to explain. Afternoon, Elaine. How you doing? Uh, no, not too bad. How are you doing? I'm
1: good, not using my phone too much, I hope. Okay,
0: that's a, that's a nice clear. Uh, because given that this is your job, Elaine, do, do, do you are, do you have the kind of added excuse of going, well, you know, I, I, I podcast about this, I write about these things, so I have to look at my phone all day long? <laughs>
1: Oh, no, I wouldn't use that excuse if I was fubbing someone, which is the term now for phone snubbing. I think that's rude, no matter what the context. Um, But what I would always say, and people do get surprised when I say this because of the nature of my work, is I generally don't have notifications on for the majority of apps. So I have WhatsApp notifications because I use that to communicate with friends and family. Everything else, no notifications. I have to log into those apps to find out if there's something there waiting for me. And that was something I did consciously years ago and really did transform how I interacted with the phone. And it's a really simple thing to do. If something is important, you know, someone will ring you or text you um, and everything else is just kind of superfluous idling on the phone, really. And now that was an effort to try and be more intentional about using that. So if I Want to know if I have a notification on Instagram? I have to consciously decide to go into Instagram. I'm not getting a notification that's pushing me mm. to, to go onto the app. And I notice as well because I actually, you know, in in other ways as well, I've pulled away from usage of these apps as well, and they started to just invent notifications like sometimes you get what looks like a notification and it's just saying like oh the app's still working and people posted things you might have missed it and it's just like they've got no real notifications to give you so they engineer them and that's just because that's what these apps are designed to do they're designed to try and take your attention into their platform into their world so that they can you know monetize your eyeballs essentially yeah. and that's where the grayscale thing that you talked about works as well because that little red notification red is a real symbol of urgency you see red exclamation mark of an email as urgent and works or so kind of pre-programmed to think of red as something that you need to kind of action and that's why notification bubbles tend to take that red coloring um, and lo- lots of kind of like cyber psychology and color psychology goes into the design of these apps so going into grayscale can kind of take away some of that influence that they have and it is a shiny toy, the the phone, you know, it's got all these bells and whistles that attract you and taking away some of that attractive quality can actually make your use a bit more intentional as well.
0: Yeah. So so explain how one goes about going into grayscale on a phone. Is this just an iPhone uh, feature?
1: Well, so the best thing to do, to be honest with you, is actually just Google how to do it on your specific model of phone. Because your phone, a lot of modern phones do have it as an option, but an older phone might not have it built into the operating system. Um, So it might be that if you have an older operating system, you might download an app that can do it for you. Again, always check that the app is coming from a good source and everything. Um, But it is actually something that's coming to the fore on the newer models, newer operating systems, uh, because like I think it's in response to what users are asking for. And phones are always trying to de- deliver that as well as all the other things that they try to deliver. Um, and it's something like even the way phones have also introduced things that you can do like screen limits and stuff like that. That used to be something that you had to get an app to program into. That's now becoming a feature of some phone. So they are learning from what users are demanding from them as well. Yeah. Okay. So uh,
0: it's a funny thing that phone manufacturers would, uh, would actually start including features to, uh, to help people use their phones less.
1: Yeah, but I suppose they, they, you know, the users of their phone, they have to respond to what users want in many ways. You know, that's also a marketing ploy in and of itself. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some counterintuitiveness to that as well. And you see as well, like with even the privacy side of things, like the fact that you can the fact that you can switch off notifications is something that people should definitely uh, take advantage of more often. But like these tools will be available, but they will very, very. Rarely, if at all, come as default. So they'll pitch it to you that we've made this phone that takes this angle and, you know, addresses your needs that you've said that you want to maybe use the phone a little bit less and be more practical about your usage. But it will probably be something that's hidden in your settings. And that's why you need to Google it to find out how Hmm. to do it. Because, you know, they still have to, they have also the ecosystem of apps and stuff like that is also what makes phone operators money and in-app purchases, they can take some money out of that and that kind of thing. So actually having the app makers happy as well is another side of their business.
0: Yeah, of course. And, And the apps are designed to be intentionally addictive to, you know, maybe addictive is too strong a word, but to keep luring you back in and again and again.
1: Yeah and like and definitely like it, you have to be careful with the use of the word addictive but certainly that's how we perceive it and that's how a lot of people would phrase it um kind of discounting with the the more clinical idea of that word but what it is 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 you're looking at automatic behaviors and habit habit forming and they're very good at creating that i would say um and that's where people get that sense of addiction uh, or what they label as addiction and it's just because we've all been there where you open up your phone you probably just looked at it to check the time and then an hour has gone by because Mm. you got distracted logging into various apps and things like that and I've done that thing as well where you get into a cycle it's like I'm just going to hop into my Instagram and see if I have any notifications there, and then I'm going to go into my email, see if that's in there. I'm going to go back into my Instagram. you kind of get to it. <laughs> It's like you're not really getting much out of it, and it's because you're kind of seeking value and not actually attaining it. Actually, keeps you kind of stuck in that cycle, I think, as well. And um, but yeah, it's just like that habit forming and that kind of automatic usage. You you can very easily um put put the markers on that by doing very simple physical barriers to access. So, uh one very simple thing. So, if you find and I've done this, you're watching TV on the sofa and you see someone's face and you're like, "Oh, who's your man? I know him from mm. something." And you go and look him up and then you're looking up something else that that link led to and it led to something else and suddenly you're not even watching the show that you were watching that inspired this interest. You're looking at your phone. If your phone wasn't next to you, if when you go home in the evening to sit down to watch some TV or whatever, If you leave your phone somewhere else that's not within arm's reach, you will not pick it up to do that because it's something that we do idly and automatically. It's not something that you would do intentionally. You would not in the middle of a show because someone's face was recognizable to you, get up off of your seat and go get your phone to look them up. You're you're genuinely not going to do that. So just that little physical separation can work wonders in making sure that you just don't idle on your phone as much. Not having it in the bedroom, I think, is really good advice, but I know a lot of people use it as an alarm clock, and that's how it ends up being the first thing that they look at when they wake up and the last thing that they look at before they go to bed. There's lots of reasons why that could be quite disruptive, um, even the blue light uh, aspect of it all, especially late at night. And the simple thing there is to just, just get an alarm clock. would be the best device you ever bought for yourself because, I mean, you can just leave the phone away from the bedroom. Now, there'll be other people who have to have the phone near them for the reasons if they have, say, um a person that they care for that might need to contact them in an emergency or whatever. There's different circumstances. But if generally speaking, you're you're not in need of anyone calling you in the middle of the night, well, then don't bring your phone into the bedroom at all. And you'll find that you don't start the day looking at it either. And maybe your first use of the phone will be something that's more intentional as well.
0: Yeah, I I don't understand like people who get into the bed with the phone and then fall asleep with the phone in the bed someplace. And then their notifications are on and their head is buzzing half the night.
1: It's yeah. And it's terrible stuff. because it's very, very stimulating. We might think I, I know I called it idling on the phone, but it is a very stimulating environment as well to be throwing yourself into. And something that we also do is say if you're in the middle of the work day and you're trying to get something done and you're maybe not that quite interested in what you're doing. So you're looking for a distraction and you're just like, I'll just check my email on my phone real quick. And then again, you're overstimulated. You might look at other apps and all the news that, and information that's coming at you from your email, even if none of that is particularly thrilling, you're Still processing all that information so what you thought was actually taking a break from that job wasn't actually giving yourself a mental break whatsoever and then you're going to try and get back invested in the task that you were doing and it can take uh the, the common theory is I can take 20 minutes to refocus on a task so even a five minute what we're thinking of as a break is actually unfocusing from one task like bombarding ourselves with information and then trying to refocus and it will actually take you quite a long time to gain that focus back. Uh, So that's just something I think people can be really more mindful of and like that Mm. overstimulation at bedtime. And I mean, I would be really, really cautious of allowing children to go to bed with devices or anything like that because it is definitely Unequivocally going to impact their sleep and their restfulness, and that's really, really important. It's one of the most important things that we do: is sleep.
0: Yeah, yeah. As someone says, I I deleted my uh uh the the Facebook on my phone without deactivating my account uh, uh, to get a break from it. Facebook then sends me emails with notifications and updates on what friends and family are doing. So they, you know, they seem to be always trying to push this idea that you're missing something, uh, and yeah. like you. Like, no matter what, how many social media accounts people have at the moment, is it a huge mistake to then go on another one?
1: I don't think so. Like, I think it's all about uh, if your use is good for you or not, you know, like, um, you know, sometimes we don't make the best decisions for ourselves. I know that. But, you know, if you sat down and really thought about it, you might be getting a lot of value out of that Facebook uh account because it connects you with, say, family members that you don't really get to hear from otherwise, and you get to know what's going on in their lives. It can be really nice for that. Um, so it's not to say that all phone use is bad. That's mm. certainly not the case. There's lots of value we can get from these devices. But I just think if you use it more intentionally and try to actually counteract the techniques that are used to basically make you use the phone the way an app developer or a phone maker wants you to use it and use it the way you want to use it. And the way to do that is I would recommend deleting apps. Now, sometimes apps are actually preloaded in the software. So Facebook is a really tricky one to delete. So if they manage to do that, well done. Um, Because you can actually access most things just through the browser app anyway. So the majority of apps you generally don't need and usually they exist just to send you notifications and draw you back into set app so that you haven't made the conscious decision to visit that site or platform. You've actually been drawn into it by an like an, uh, an engineered notification. So that's just something to that you can do if you delete the apps rather than delete your accounts because they might actually be giving you some value, that connection ah. when you decide to engage with them. But if, make it your choice as opposed to something that you were prompted to do by an algorithm.
0: Yeah, you know, it's just, I was kind of wondering that I I joined Threads at the start of the year just to see what it was like. And because there was a lot of, oh, Twitter's horrible and all that kind of stuff. So, but what I'm seeing is people who are on, uh, who have a Threads account and a Twitter account and a Mastodon account and, and, you know, probably spending even more time on social media uh, in the process of trying to leave Twitter, if you see what I mean.
1: Yeah, and I do think that that's something that, I think people are really going to have a reckoning with now because we're getting this uh, fragmentation of social media with new players coming on the scene. And a lot of them really trying to recoup the losses that Twitter is slated to have. And it ends up becoming that something that was meant to be fun and just a way of connecting with people that you, you want to know about and keep up with. Um, or even, you know, platforms and influencers and stuff like that, people that you're interested in it actually becomes something of a job to manage it all. Mm. So if, if it's not your job, if you're not an influencer or a digital marketer or a content creator, then you probably don't need to be on a ton of platforms because to be honest with you, the good stuff from other platforms will spread onto the platform that you stay on anyway. So you always see like some TikTok videos end up on Twitter uh, some reels end up being shared uh, elsewhere. So the really, really top good quality stuff tends to actually get shared elsewhere anyway. And you're not going to miss out on anything. They all try and create this idea of the FOMO, the fear of missing out. But I mean, if you are doing what you want to be doing and you're connected with the people that you want to connect with and you know, you always have the power as well to just call or message someone directly rather than speak uh, blindly to an audience. <laughs> and that's that your phone enables as well. Like, if you're doing that, well, then you're not going to be missing out at all. <gasps> phone calls
0: perish the thought. Uh, Elaine, <laughs> thanks a million as ever. Elaine Burke is host of the For Tech's Sake podcast. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.